0: Hello and welcome to Tonebenders Sound Design Podcast where we talk with the sonic artists behind our favorite films, games and series. My name is Tim Muirhead and I will be your host today as we talk to one of the greats in Sound for Picture, Doc Kane. We are at the Disney lot where Doc works to talk to him about his impressive career. As an in-house recordist for Disney since the late 80s, Doc has seen just about everyone stand behind his mic. From A-list actors doing ADR and animation to loop group actors making the glue that holds our favorite scenes together. To voice of god narrations for the docs that open up our minds doc it's wonderful to meet you nice meeting you too timothy uh, thanks for inviting me to your space today this is amazing
1: oh thanks thanks i vacuumed and dusted a little bit <laughs> it's like
0: uh,
1: yeah it's one of the larger one of the larger stages in town
0: yeah it's beautiful yeah. uh so I'm sure whenever you get interviewed, one of the first questions people ask you is how you got into the business. Mm -hmm. So uh, I'm going to try and put a little bit of a twist on that, and I'm going to throw some people's names at you that I think might have been mentors of yours, and maybe you can talk about how you met them and what you might have learned from them. Okay. So let's start with uh, Terry Porter.
1: Oh, my gosh. Yeah, the best. Terry is the one that really helped us. Well, let me start back. When I was doing animation and starting to record a lot of animation... It was that new era, and Terry was mixing all those, um, like Lion Kings and Beauty and the Beast, and I'd always double check with him. I'd go, it, this is the days when I was able to walk on the stage now with Marvel security. You Do you wanna
0: just introduce who Terry Porter is for those who might Terry not know? Terry
1: Porter is one of the finest re-recording mixers in the business for the last 35 years, and has done all the top uh, Lion Kings, and many, many live action, Mixes, and is very beneficial to where I am today. He actually got us into the academy. He made room for original dialogue mixer, which was never there before. Back in the day, you know, wherever the actor was, they just record him. They didn't care. Hey, you got a mic, just record it. And that's why some of those older animated movies don't sound so so great. Um, not. Consistency. Not, yeah, yeah, exactly. And so uh, it became, and so suddenly he goes, well, he goes, you guys, you and the other uh, people that do all this original dialogue recording, you're basically the production mixer, and we think you should be there with us, the the music effects and dialogue mixer. You're the fourth guy. And he's kind of sprung that on me. I didn't really think about it. I never went, hey, you know what? He said, we really think we should get you into the Academy. And uh, it was successful, and it opened up the Academy Award for original dialogue mixers that you see today. They get a little funny about it because you've seen the Academy is getting very tight on hardware, and they don't want to make other more as many statues as they want to. But Terry pushed for it, him and his crew. And uh, for many years, we had that as an Academy Award nomination.
0: And what what did he teach you when you were first getting in?
1: Um, he, he would just say, you know, just, you know, the angle, it's close, it's too close. It was pretty much started with live action. And when I was starting in ADR, we didn't have all the tools. It, it was magnetic film. And there were no radio mics. There were labs and there was boom mics. But you always had to be careful. You couldn't get the mic too close because in those days, the mic was you know, this far away. It was a little farther than we have today where we have the smaller mics where we can get in underneath the camera lens and get tight audio. So I would confer with him on um, the live action stuff that he was working on. and He'd go, yeah, it's, it's a little closer. It's a little far away. He goes, no, 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 no. The mic angles are good. It's easy. It's blending in. Because Terry's the type that would like take the production sound, and there might be a door close over the S of groceries, and he just used the S off my loop and used the rest from production, and that's what directors loved because they love their production. Sometimes it's a you know there's nothing you can do; you have to use the whole loop because there's somebody lawnmower or some a grip in the back is hammering for the next scene or somebody's yelling and screaming. Uh, but he always loved the production. And sometimes the loops were like Gary Marshall, we did a lot of work with Gary Marshall and he loved looping, he loved it. He'd, you know, he's just like this is my last chance to get the performance right and it's the the loop is good. Uh, so that's my bad imitation of Gary, <laughs> but that's my, he, he was a great pal of ours. Awesome. Loved Harry always, uh, he could always hear the dialogue. And that's one thing, like you have Terry Porter and Mike Minkler and these these really great mixers back in the day, if you listen to their mixes from the day you went into a screening to the day you saw it in the theater, to today when you see it on TV, you hear every single line that those guys mixed in there. The blend is, the sound effects aren't overbearing, the music's perfectly balanced, but you you, you know, it's all about we want to hear the words, you know. When we were, we'd do a group session, and we'd have, you know, 15 people in here, and all right, play it back. And Gary Singh was, I can't hear my dialogue. There's, and he turned around and goes, there's too much chuffa. <laughs> <laughs> and that became, <laughs> one of our things, that we have a thing on the back of our our door, that goes upstairs to the machine and says, too much chuffa, so that was <laughs> our, but, uh, but he was really in the dialogue. Some directors are like, you know, let's let's mess it up a little. Let let the audience kind of work for it. Don't don't mm-hmm. hand it to them. Let them bust through the effects or the music, and get them used to the theater sound. Um, but but Terry and Mike Minkler and these uh, fantastic Academy Award-winning mixers, they it was just perfectly balanced. Mm-hmm. He was like just tips on mics and you know EQ and it's too close, it's too far back, it's thin, it's fat, it's, and so we worked that. Every session was uh, a little bit different.
0: And uh, what about Vince Carroll? Yeah,
1: Vince up at Pixar. Yeah, Vince and I met when we were doing some work back in New York. They sent me back to do pickup lines when they were scoring Lion King and that's where I met Vince. I needed I'm so spoiled here, I I always have have had a recordist that handles the DAP machines, at the time the DAP machines, and now it's Pro Tools. They mark, cut, edit, everything for me. I'm just, I'm old school. But we were recording pickup lines for the actors because they are all gonna be there scoring. So they were all in one area at the scoring stage. So they gave me a little studio downstairs and said, all right, we got these actors coming through. When they're done on the scoring stage, we'll bring them down. Or,
0: So they were on the scoring stage singing. Yeah, they were on the scoring stage
1: singing, and then when they were done rehearsing, they would come down, and we get all their pickup lines. And, uh, yeah, because that was both Beauty and the Beast and Lion King for both those. And I needed somebody to handle the dats, because back in those days, you had to push a button. Okay, this is take one, take two. Yeah, indexes. Index, all that stuff. So I, I met Vince there, and Vince had been mixer also, a dialogue mixer, and that's where... We hit it off, and he was working through, I think, Sony Studios, and, and he, um, Pixar was building a facility up north, and they said, who do you think would be great up here and who wants to move? And I knew Vince wanted to get out of uh, the coast, uh, east coast. and. So they offered it to him, and he he jumped on it, and which was the most brilliant move he had ever made. <laughs> but we still work together today mm-hmm. um, for all these Pixar movies. Amazing. Very knowledgeable. Um, he's helped us out with some different mics. We always use the U87, but we were using a different mic, and Vince and I didn't like the second, the backup mic that we use. We always do two track, and so he said, "Yeah." He goes, "I, you yeah, know," he goes, "I." I love the Bronner mics and I went, I've never, never worked with them, never heard of them. We had a, a scoring mixer come in for a pickup for an hour and he brought a Bronner, and I went, that was the only experience I had with it, so we worked with it and did a couple of sessions with it and he goes, how do you like it? And I said, you know, great, beautiful mic. So we have stayed for the last I don't know, 10 years with the Brawners and the U87s.
0: So I'm not familiar with the Bronner. What what is that mic?
1: It's a tube mic, it's a really beautiful, Tube Mike,
0: and then the last name that I got was Paul McGrath.
1: I hate that guy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <I> hate McGrath.
1: <laughs> and no, Paul's my bud. Vince and Paul are the three of us are in. You know, we're in our world. This is the three of us are kind of the triangle of of animation in, in the Disney World. And Paul does a lot of uh, he does a lot of t- television animation. He, he does traditional live action looping and. Uh, Anything. He's he's become a really great young mixer, and he's he's got it all down. I watch him work, and it's really fun. He's new school. I'm old school, but uh, you know they they use Eddie Prompt and all these cool things, but uh, and he can fly on it and he just you know okay let's go to the next line ding 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 and he's got that where I still punch in everything manual just mm-hmm. so I know. But he's really into the whole automation and he has to do a lot of editing. He has to do a lot of placing and mixing and stuff because he has to play it right back to the producers that are sitting like right behind him. And he's grace under fire. He's really, because there's a lot of stuff going on. He's just a really great guy. Awesome. Yeah, my respect to both him and Vince, you know, they've, they're the three of us are good pals, and couldn't have better pals huh. in this business. Especially when you need something, mm-hmm. and you go, you know, can you do this for me? And they go, yeah, sure, or vice versa, and, you know. My mic went out, you know. And he's helped us out on some location stuff where he's had to go out and help us uh, set up for these remote, at like an actor's house, and we'll just give him the stuff, and he goes out there, because there's a lot of connecting now with the Pro Tools and all the, the stuff, because, The directors are in Toronto and they want to hear the stuff so everything from the house is piped to us and then we filter it out and it's all got to work, ISDNs and and it's got to sound great and uh, he's been one of our core people and helping us out with that. You know I've always said in this business the time you say no you're screwed. Oh, We can't do that and I've always said to Like new people, they go, well, wait, we can't do that. You said, what? (laughs) Well, give us a second. And that's why Andy Winterbaum, who's our chief engineer, he goes, you told him we could do it? No, I missed (laughs) it. No, no, he's going, yeah. He goes, okay, hold on a second. And then they go back and get some gizmo and can you give us 15 minutes? I go, hey, you guys, can you give us 15 minutes? Yeah, sure, we'll do it, yeah, no problem. So they come in and 15, maybe, might be a half hour. Yeah, yeah. But it always gets hooked up. It always gets done. It might not be the... The most smoothest thing because they didn't give us any uh, audition time. Yeah. But it never say no. I mean, we've got enough gizmos around this yeah, place that cameras and monitors and Pro Tool rigs and anything. So uh, it's just like sure we can. And these guys go oh, no, don't, don't say. Yeah, guys like,
0: <laughs> all right, give us some time.
1: So we just make it happen.
0: That's awesome. So speaking of making it happen, what percentage of your time is spent recording animation versus loop group versus ADR? Yeah, it's about, uh, I'd say about 75 to 80% live ADR.
1: Um, 20% plus or minus is group, loop group. And then since Paul has gotten his studio, he does a lot of RVO VO work and Vince does a lot of the Pixar stuff too. So it's probably well, 10, 15, maybe 20%. But it's really the ADR in here is is really, especially now that we've expanded the Marvel Universe, there's a lot of, and it's not because the production's bad, it's just that they, they do lost story changes and they, they can do things in ADR that you know they may have problems with. Um, well, nobody's getting that, so we need to do something for the audience, so we'll change stuff around in here. And as long as it matches the production dialogue, and I think these Marvel films I don't know if you've if you how many you've seen in a big theater, but we're we take mm-hmm a lot of pride in making sure that nothing bounces because it's sort of like, hey, like Rocket, hey Rocket, you know, it's like what's going on, what's happening, you know, that type of stuff just drives me crazy. So we find out who the production mixer is on those shows, what mics he or she was using, and if there was any strange, you know, radio mic stuff there. Um, So we get all that information, we use exactly the same microphones that were used in production or as close as we can. You know, sometimes they have some weird mic that they just have to unplug real fast and, oh, but most of the time it's uh, the Sennheiser and, or the
0: DPA, uh, lav mics, and. Um. That, that leads me to a question mm-hmm. that I wanted to ask you. Mm-hmm. So uh, recently we interviewed the team behind the sound of Top Gun, oh, uh, yeah. the recent Top Gun. Yeah. And uh, they were talking about how there's a large percentage of the dialogue in that movie is through these masks. Yeah. And they had a really hard time getting the ADR to match that.
1: Right. Good. And
0: uh, I was wondering, as, as an ADR recordist, mm-hmm. uh, not that exact thing, but mm-hmm. how, how do you go about figuring out how to record? Do you use special microphones? Have you ever had to record that kind of thing? I have, how do you tackle that? I, I should say the most I've had
1: experience with is helicopter stuff. Okay. With the, with the yeah, Dave similar, Clarks. Similar, yeah, yeah, with the Dave Clarks. And so if we have a scene, let's say with the loop group. The Dave Clarks, you just want to explain that real quick? The Dave Clarks are um, aeronautic, is that the right word? Sure, yeah. Yeah, they're uh, helicopter and airplane headphones.
0: So the communication system within the helicopter. Right. It's
1: got the microphone attached to it, and they mm-hmm. can hear in it. But it's got its own futzed little strange sounds. So it's a <laughs> And it's, it's a horrible sound, but it's a sound. And it's really cool. So I will, I'll two-track that or three-track it. I'll put the headset on the actor, and with the mic in the proper place, and then we'll have like a like
0: a real Dave Clark. Yeah, headset. oh, you have one of those. Oh, okay. yeah, 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 perfect. Yeah,
1: yeah. Awesome. Okay, yeah. After this, I'll show you the mic locker. That we <laughs> awesome. <laughs> it's a mess, but it's like my garage. But it's like, um, so I'll put that on there, and then I'll put a lav mic on there, and then I'll use like an MKH fifty to. U87s are great for a lot of stuff, but if you want more of a production sound, it's a little too clean sounding, whereas with the Sennheiser shotgun microphone, it has a little bit of mid-range to it, a beautiful microphone, nicest production microphone I we use. Um, but the Dave Clark, that way it's a blend. If the director says, you know, it's too much, it's too much helicoptery, let's, can we give a little more live, or let's do a little more lab, It's it's hurting my ears. So he'll have those three channels to blend, to blend with, and and walkie talkies. We we'll do the same with walkie talkies. We might have a situation where we're doing a show that's like, there's a fire, and then we have the fire department. <coughs> oh, this is a secret world, <coughs> and all that stuff. And so we have walkie talkies back there. So I will, I'll put a walkie talkie out here uh, with a with the U87 because it is close, and they'll futz that to maybe match the thing, and then I have the actors back in that room and then hand them the talkie, and they'll just... they have. So a the sp- actor's
0: r- out of the room and the walkie-talkies exactly. in front of the U87, exactly. yeah. Yes,
1: that's correct. Yeah, they're all back there. Um, and that way I can I can monitor in there properly. There's a door that cl- seals yeah. those two. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it, it's a lot easier. I, I also have a system where they can be in here, all of them in here, and I have a little, I built a little foam box to put okay. the other one in so I could record it there and I had a microphone in the box so I would record the uh, walkie-talkie in there and then record the U87 and the walkie here and that way I could go back and forth but it's, you still get a little, you know, it's, you really have to build a soundproof box of course, and it's not yeah. that but this is this is like soundproof, perfectly soundproof. Um, so we try and
0: uh, get the original sound as much as we can. You so, could, what, do you know what the dimensions of this room are? I'm just trying to think for the people this, who are listening, they can't see. It's a big room. This room is
1: 40 feet deep, 30 feet wide, and about 17 feet high, 18 feet high ceilings.
0: So, like, when you said, I think you said about 10% loop group that you do. Mm-hmm. Is that the number you said? Yeah. Like, it, this room seems like it would be... Uh, a pretty ideal room for a big loop group, so I, I was expecting that number to be a little bit higher, actually. Don't tell these other people that
1: you've been talking <laughs> to, but it's the best <laughs> for a loop group, because it is so big. It's really great. And the beauty of, of how we record this is we have camera, like we have the group leader who's on Zoom, and then we might have the director on Zoom, and no- most of the time the uh, ADR editor will be here at the table with us. If not, they're also on Zoom. And then we use what's called Clearview. Have you ever dealt with Clearview? Yeah, I'm familiar with it. Yeah, Yeah, we we deal with Clearview for the audio part, so they can hear in in stereo or mono, whatever I'm giving them. uh, So sorry, just
0: for the listeners, that's like an app that helps deliver audio to the various people not in the actual studio.
1: Exactly. Zoom is great for picture, but not for audio. So we run Zoom alongside Clearview. And Clearview is a full frequency Mm -hmm. app. that works, you know, you can take your computer and plug it into your stereo system at home and, yeah. and get the full on frequency, high frequency stuff, full frequency. So they're always talking, we have all these different monitors, that are talking to the group and they're monitoring and I have a camera. This, The room's a little bit different when I do it, but that monitor over there gets pushed back against the wall and then we put a camera on this station right here, this music stand, and then I do what's called L- LCR, which you know, yep. left, center, right. Mm-hmm. And that's what the red marks are for.
0: Oh, perfect, yeah.
1: And so I, when I record them, I have, I use MKH-50s specifically for this. I've tried other mics. For some odd reason, the, the pattern of the microphone on an MK Sennheiser MKH-50, it just works beautifully because it has a little bit of bleed from the three groups. I might have seven people, seven people, seven people. Maybe you know two in the middle, and then five on each side, depending on what they want. And it's it's beautiful. It's left, center, right, and I just I just make sure all you know the the levels are good because in a Marvel movie, as you've seen, they can go from hey you know restaurant scene to there's a bomb explosion, and they all scream, and and I'm ready for it. And you know we use analog compressors and analog uh, mic prees and all that, but you have to be ready. I've, I've Some of groups come in and I go, okay, Doc, do we have to do this in, in two pieces where you do the low stuff and then we'll stop and we'll do the screaming stuff? I said, no, just do the, put the wireless headphones on and chase it. So I put the production dialogue in their headsets while we're recording and we'll record the rehearsal because it's always that first react because they don't know it's real. They haven't seen it. We won't let them see it. Doesn't happen all the time, but when we do, it's it's a lot of fun. And I kind of know what's coming up, so I'm kind of ready for from a whisper to a scream. And uh, so they'll just react off the screen and the audio through their wireless headsets. That way they can move around. We love movement. When somebody's just standing there going, uh you just go, all right, you came in here for a specific reason. Then they get into it, so they you know, we fight scenes, and, but movement is really the secret to the whole thing, instead of an actor just standing there going, oh, oh my gosh, what's happening? Movement is everything to us. And if it's an exterior, uh, and the uh, the editor wants a little more separation, because there's bleed between the mics, we mm-hmm. have we built uh, these plexiglass yeah. uh, separators because of COVID, you know, just to have them. So if we had to put like separate the actors. But then as we started doing more and more and more, and the COVID started to kind of go away, I was using them to put them in between the microphones, and that that helped a little bit more separation for the exteriors. So between the LCR microphones, mm-hmm. okay, yeah, there'd be one like wedged in between yeah. each red mark there, mm-hmm. and then when they were done, they everything's on wheels around here, so they just they roll it themselves. So we didn't waste any time coming out, you know, moving stuff. It's just the stage moves quickly. You you have 15, 20 actors, and you got. You know, nine hours and otherwise it gets expensive if they want to do another day and, and budgets are tight now so we can get a lot done in, in one day now and the actors sure. are so good the, the Loop Group people are
0: really great Hey there this is Tim back at my studio I'm going to interrupt Dot Kane for a second to remind listeners that we have two Tonebender sound design meetups coming up soon September 26th in Toronto and October 26th in New York City. The previous ones we have done in L.A. and Austin have been absolutely amazing nights. So if you find yourself in either of those cities, please come on out to raise a glass while talking shop and telling stories. If you plan on going to the AES convention in New York, it will coincide with our meetup there. The Toronto meetup will be at the Pilot near Bay and Bloor on September 26th at 7pm. And the New York meet will be at the Crompton Ale House in Chelsea on October 26th. At 7 p.m., full details can be found at TonomendersPodcast.com. Fellow Tonomenders host Teresa and myself will be at both, and it would be great to hang out and learn what you all are doing with sound. So join the sound design community in these cities and come on out. Okay, let's jump back to my talk with Doc Kane. Speaking of actors, mm-hmm. uh, you're obviously only half the equation of ADR. Mm-hmm. Uh, the performance is, uh, well, many people say the performance is king. Mm-hmm. Uh, so is there any particular actor that has been really impressive with ADR or has a special uh, way of looking at it? And how can an actor, from your point of view, mm-hmm. be most successful with ADR?
1: The Well, first of all, you can't fight it. If you're a young actor, just to get into one more thing, if you are a young actor, we've got people coming in here and going, oh, I hate ADR. Well, now it's become like, you got to do it because the environment that they're put in for these shows. There's noise, and and the director goes, you know, we were we were hurrying to get the shot done, and you you guys were kind of like nervous about because we were got you all like we got to get the
0: shot. Let's go. Half so, the time they're building the next set right behind the camera. boom, so, yeah, hey, yeah. hammer <laughs> in the tuba, hand <laughs> the sandbag. So this is
1: and this is like a Meryl Streep. This is their last chance to improve their performance. Before it goes out to the world, and so it still has to sync, it still has to get it. But they, these actors and actresses, are so good and locking into sync. Like with Meryl, she'll look at the cue she's and you go, "Well, you've only, how come we're only doing that scene?" She goes, "Back it up," and so we'll back it up, and she'll go, "Let me see the scene previous to it." She goes, "She goes, I, I think I can, I think I can tie the two scenes together a lot better." Can you guys, hey, in you know, talks to the director, he says, okay if we go back and do s- some previous stuff? And the, <laughs> the director's like, hey, whatever you want. And this is happening more and more, but so I'll back it up and we'll we'll cue it as fast as we can. And just say, hey, Merle, just give us a second. Yep. We're gonna cue it. So we cue it. And then we record all the lines she wants, go in and out of production, dialogue, new loops, music and effects, which is provided by editorial. Yep. And um, by, my gosh, it's it's a whole new scene, because her thing is, well, you know, I had a fight with my husband, or or my dog was sick, and I that day when we were shooting, there was noise on the set, and the you know the catering was bad, and I had a stomach. That's you know, all that that, that Yeah, the
0: reason that she's not doesn't have her full focus. Exactly, yeah.
1: exactly, full focus is right, and so this she's focused. There's just the director, editor, myself, my recordist, and it's her, and she's just like zoop, zeroing in on it. And it always, but it's still gotta match. It still has to be a production blender.
0: ADR has a bad rap.
1: Mm -hmm. It does. It has a
0: bad rap. Uh, As you mentioned, it's it's easier now, so people are starting to like it more just Mm because it's not as uh, maybe time consuming. But like when someone comes in, maybe they're a young actor or maybe they're an old actor who doesn't Mm -hmm. appreciate it, Uh, how do you get them uh, comfortable slash in the mood? like, what, is, do you feel that that's part of your job, or do you feel it, that's the directors?
1: You know, I, I've been doing this so long; people kind of know, and they know who I, you know, they know me. And I, you'll see some people over at Warner Brothers that are, they'll we see the same actors a lot, and they they really kind of trust us. And sometimes they'll they'll say, "Where are we going?" And some of the smaller, little independent—I'm not putting them down because there's a price to everything. But sometimes they get stuck in a booth that size, and it it doesn't. You know, I mean, when they shoot a scene, it's on a big stage, and the, you know the booms are up here. Or the, and a, there's a place for the audio to go, and sometimes on some of these smaller rooms, trying to match some ADR is a little bit tougher. I think this is just my own, yeah, of and a lot of. I mean, most of the time they, they guys do so great. To make the sound as as good as it is, but I I need a room like this where, especially yelling and screaming, if there's loud sounds, the audio has a place to go instead of just bouncing back and going in back into the microphone. So it's like yeah, it's like what am I listening to? Here it's just it's like shooting on a soundstage, mm-hmm. which is an advantage to having a large room, uh, to my ear. And um, but it's interesting because Donald Sutherland of course, has yeah. a method. Every single line. Is streamered. So we use beeps and streamers. If he hears beeps, he'll walk off the stage. He literally just said, It's changing the tone of my performance. And we got, got it. I got that like 30 years ago. I, I, now you know. <laughs> now <laughs> I know. So when he's, we started doing work with him again, I forgot what it was. Um, he knew that I would have the picture streamered. But when we started it with him, it was on a projector. And so we had a China pan or whatever the editors had to do the streamers with physically on the film. The so
0: film projector to be film, clear, yeah. Film yeah. projector, yeah. right. So you're writing on the film, with grease Exactly, pencil. and it's just yeah. like a
1: line starts at the first line and then it goes like across mm-hmm. that. And we were getting into the Pro Tools era, digital video, and he was the last one to use the mag or the film. And so we were doing a show with him and I had found a really cool digital video deck that worked with an audio digital video deck. So it was just instant recall. Mm -hmm. And I, I knew he was coming in so I prepped, the film editor prepped the film version of it. And I prepped the video version of it with digital streamers. And so uh he was looking at the film, we were rolling the film, and it looked the film was beautiful, let I mean compared to a digital picture. Yeah, it's course. still beautiful, it was big. and uh all right, Doc, let me see the whole scene first before we do this. He you know has that sort of mm-hmm. great grandeur, and we're watching it, and he starts and he goes, "Wait a second, you missed an inhale." And I went, "What?" He goes, "Yes." Go down to uh, 900 feet. 900 feet. He goes, yeah, there's, I, I do a, and I went, all right. All right, you, you know where that is, dog? And I said, yeah, we're, we've got it. We're, we've tagged it. He's going to go up and stream it. He goes, I'm awfully sorry to do that to you. He goes, but I, you, he goes, you know what I need. I, went, I know what you need. And so he goes upstairs and I said, hey, Donald. He goes, yes. <laughs> he goes, hey, can I, um, can I show you something? Well, what would you like to show me? said, I have um, a digital video system with streamers that I'd really like to show you. He goes, you guys have been trying to sell me that for <laughs> years. I said, this one really works. He goes, yeah, sure. OK, show it to me. And we had an engineer here that's a classic pianist. And I ran it th- four times. I said, are these streamers dead on? Because Donald's going <laughs> to. Yeah, <laughs> <And he> goes, <laughs> this is a make right or break moment. He goes, move it to frame. He goes, I think I think you can move it a frame, even though um, the editors stream it. Sometimes, you know, they might not hear. They may hear something that we don't, or whatever. So we might be a frame off, and it's very easy to you yep. know, add. So I had him check it three times. We ran it, and I said, because he goes, "Yeah, Donald's coming in. You want to sell it, right?" So he goes, "Okay, let's see it." Right. And I played it for him from top to bottom with all the video streamers. He goes, those, "Those aren't right." And he's right up at the screen, looking up at the screen. He goes, "Those, those are not right." And I went. Yeah, they are. I said, I had a classical pianist check it three times. He'd run it again. Runs again. Like, he goes, don't the guy up there forget it. We're out doing digital video. And we were just like back there going, oh, thank God. <laughs> and from there on, I mean, we did all his movies. Yeah, so uh, he is genius with it. But he wants to go from top to bottom, no matter how long the scene is. The podium, he's six feet, two or three, he's a tall guy and he has all his ADR sheets spread out and he looks over and he knows where he is at all times with the picture and he uses those streamers, those are his gods, and we'll do the whole scene top to bottom. And we might do a couple of pickups, but his whole theory was, look I know what you sound editors need, I understand the concept, he goes, but in my world, he goes, I can hear when you take take four from the first two yeah. lines and take 26 from the fourth line. He goes, I hear the roller coaster. He goes, I hear the ups and downs and it's not, it it just doesn't work for me and I'd rather have one organic piece of film or three at the most so you guys could cut my scenes together and not have this, you know, because you, you, you hear those commercials, with, so come on over <laughs> to Bob's house. Yeah, you just go, oh my gosh, so that's his thing.
0: So you mentioned earlier that you use all analog compressors. Yes. And then you also mentioned that you're on the faders all the time. Yes. So you're pulling the input into Pro Tools down, Mm -hmm. but you're not messing with the compression of the actual. No, no, the compression stays the same. Yeah, that was a little learning curve with Pro Tools for me, like, well if you bring it down too much the
1: compressor's gonna do this, and I'm like, so we found a happy medium, because I can't be doing the compressors and, and all that. I'd just rather leave the compressors, and it's usually like, you now four to one, not to get into the weeds, but it's just a safety. Mm-hmm. But I, I am always writing the faders around, whether it's the lav mic and the production mic, because you've got the script in front of you, you've got your blueprint, you know, they rehearse it, I'm watching it on film where they go, you know honey, I hate you, and it's gonna go from a whisper to a scream, so you know, you got your cue there, and you can't bring it down, it can't sound like, I, you know, I hate you. It's just, it's gotta sound big and huge and and crazy, and you don't wanna lose that, so, you know, back in the day when I was learning that stuff, I would do that, and it's just a learning process, and you, over Mm -hmm. the years, as the equipment got better, the new compressors and the new mic prees and all that, and the bikes are better. And it's just you could do that. You could really keep it, you know, yelly screamy and not lose any of the definition. It's always the the, the younger people that come in and it's like they scream and they go, "Should I pad the? Should I pad the bike? Should I pad the?" No, 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 no! Don't no. just let her let her rip. Just be ready. And um, if we're training somebody new, we have I don't know. You bet Don. Dawn. <laughs> Don's our she's our test when we buy new compressors. Oh, you put her on the mic? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. She has this <laughs> voice that's just like,
0: <laughs> Don, is, uh, Don is the person who helped set this interview up with the Yeah, She's our panel. the. So you bring room. her in and put her in front of the mic for the new people and let yeah. her scream and yell and then whisper?
1: The last, the last <laughs> set of compressors and mic freeze, we bought. We did a test with a whole bunch of them. And you know, people go, yeah, but if you put the test tone through it and do this, I see a modulation of 339. Uh, and I go, I don't care. I said, "Get Don in here." So <laughs> Don comes in, and we hook up the compressors that I thought would be good. All right, Don, she, she, uh, you know we'd have to buy her lunch <laughs> and a throat lossage. And uh, so she'd come in here, and okay, start screaming. She's blood curling screams, and then we start adjusting, you know, the compression to where it was. And, you know, lower your frequency, like, Whoa. and so she'd do all these different things for like a half hour just screaming into it. So that was, okay, this compressor is way better than that other compressor, or that might breeze handles this one way better. And so that's how we based our um, final testing on is what is the real world screaming, Yelly and no test tones.
0: Mm-hmm. So we put it through the organic... The uh, Dawn test. The Don, uh, test. <laughs> the Don <laughs> test, exactly right. So you are doing analog instead mm-hmm. of going to digital. Mm-hmm. With the picture, you slowly moved into digital. Do you have any plans to ever go digital? With, oh, uh,
1: everything's digital now.
0: Well, I mean, but like compressors and... like do you, um, For the front end? You mm, maybe, it's just getting really good. Mm-hmm. But
1: I've never, I've never, like, uh oh! <laughs> you know what film do I test this out, and they turn around and go, "What the hell happened?" You know, you know, like, "Oh shit, yeah, for <laughs> what sure. have I done?" So I kind of stay. We have a sound. We kind of have a sound here on the stage. Yeah, for especially sure. Especially with our like animated people, and I'm afraid to just like, you know. It's go out working. there and yeah. change something and it's like, hey doc, what the hell happened here? Stuff's It doesn't sound the same go, oh, I was trying something new <laughs> and then it's usually, well then don't. Yeah, <laughs> that whole thing. Uh, but yeah, I mean we have a sound and we know the stuff works and we know if somebody just goes, starts screaming and yelling through the microphone, it's going to hold properly.
0: So we asked you earlier what your percentage of time you spend doing different things. Mm-hmm. Which one do you prefer? Like when you wake up in the morning and look at your schedule, are you happy to see that you're doing I, lots of ADR? Or? I, I,
1: I love it all. I mean, anything, especially the group of people we have, the clients that we have. We have some really, a lot of great outside clients too. We just, thank God, don't have to just stick to the Disney peeps. Uh, since it is a large room, we have, we you know, Warner Brothers comes over. and. They use our facilities. Sometimes Universal. All the studios kind of kind of share, and and the same with us. Uh, Warner Brothers, you know, does s- stuff because the actor might be over there shooting, and they have to do stuff. And and they have beautiful stages and some really great mixers over there, which I don't know who you're going to see today, but they're they're all great. Seriously, they're. Yeah. You don't last. You don't last very long, if you're a dick in these. I hate to say it. It's
0: strange how simple a concept that is and how many people don't get it. It's like,
1: you know, I've seen, I've witnessed, you know, or I've been told about people that just say, you know, the person was rude, the mixer was rude. How do you get away with that and still working? You know, Mm -hmm. I, I think now if you went through all the mixers from New York, Chicago, us, California, they're all the nicest, People genuine. They're not like, yes, you know, Miss Streep, you're really great. It's not like it's like it's a genuine, organic. You know, what do you need, Meryl? And she goes, you know, I'm not here. I need to hear this. And you, go, okay, just give me a sec. We'll do that. We'll lift this. You just do it. There's no like. And as soon as they ask you for something, you just do it. There's no. So what did you want? And because you're, everybody's kind of like, let's put it this way. Nobody really wants to be in here for ADR because they'd rather be doing voiceover for animation where it's fresh. But. Uh, the people that are really good at this stuff, they understand what we need and, and what the director needs and what they want to hear. It's also
0: a case of it's got to be done. Why make it miserable? Exactly.
1: I mean, by yeah. the time you argued about this one line, we could have gone and done three more lines. Mm-hmm. And, and that's sort of, they know now, it took years, but now they know they're here for a specific reason. And when you play it back, when you play the original production, they go, oh, okay, I I, I hear it, I totally hear it. So. You can discuss it all you want, but proof is in the hearing. Mm-hmm. And once you you get something that's much better, and they go, as soon as they say, this is much better than what we did on the day, you got them in, in the pocket, you got them, and then they really work it, because they know you know what you're doing. Because I think they there are some places where they probably put new kids in there, and it might be a little rough. And, they're running, you know, and I, I made a couple of notes in that, um, like with Jamie Lee Curtis. Okay. And Jamie Lee, I've worked with her since the mag days. I was at Warner and I really felt sorry for these actors because they'd come in, we didn't have all the uh, music and effects on a different channel. So it would be all this, we'd play the track and back in those days the mics were kind of up. So if you were outside and there's traffic, you didn't have the labs to kind of like, you know, quiet everything down and or or bring like the MKH 50s or, or 60s closer so. You know the new technology kind of keeps the the crap out of the way of the the mouth, and so when I was new to it, I just you know you, you play it and you you know beep beep beep, and you get rid of all the stuff behind it, and it was just their voice, and they just you know it was like oh you know oh my god that's just my voice raw. And so after a couple of years of doing that and hearing, one time Jamie Lee, she said, I have never. I have never walked out of one of these rooms thinking that I improved my performance. And I thought, you know what? These these rooms are for performance. These rooms are not here to just like, all right, let's get the loops. We probably won't use it, but Holden, why are you guys here spending all this money and wasting director, actor, everybody's time? So there's gotta be a way. So we did, after I, moved away from Warner Hollywood, I came over here, I was thinking there's got to be a way to grab audio, I mean whether we use a keyboard, because this is the synthesizers now and you hear people, yeah, if I hit this key well, I'm going to hear birds and this one's ocean background, and if I hit this it's a drum kick, Or like, I'm going, why can't we do that with, with a sampler for the poor person to, instead of running the thing, hey Bob. I'm coming after you. Well, we only just want Hey Bob. So I did a uh, film with Taylor Hackford and her, and was, I can't remember if it was her f- her film first. It was probably with Taylor Hackford's film. But I found an, an old lexicon mm-hmm. sampler, and I went, is there a way to, like if I grab something, is there a way to, to just keep my finger on the button and then it tri- triggers a loop? It took me a couple of days to figure it out, and so I found like in between dialogue, So it was a lot of exteriors with light traffic in the back. And the guy, the actor would say, you know, I'm gonna come after you, dead silence, before the other actor talked. So I'm gonna come after you. I'd grab the sample that was cross patched with the production track. Mm -hmm. I grabbed that background and I just needed a little bit and then I'd loop it. So it was like (sighs) Sometimes it was You know, a little glitch in it, but for most of the time it was great. So I started playing back
0: And how are you triggering the sample? On a keyboard?
1: It was actually on the on the unit itself. Okay. Yeah. Is the Lexicon twenty five hundred? Oh I'll yeah, get yeah. you the right one. Okay. It's an older one. Yeah. And In the front panel of it. Exactly, yeah. right. Mm-hmm. And so I, I just hold on to it and then it would loop it through. And I didn't have time to you know edit and I wasn't yeah, that sufficient. Course. I just needed a let's go, let's go. So I would play the loops. It was really fun. This is when it was really a ball because I could play it. And I'd go out of the loop and into the background and get rid of the production dialogue just for that line. Mm-hmm. And I just kind of let the loop play like the. <sighs> and Taylor would turn around. and He goes, "No, no, 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 no. I, I've heard the production doc. I want to hear the loop." And This <laughs> guy, I, I go, this is this a loop?" He goes, "What the fuck? I was, what, <laughs> what are you doing back there?" And I said, "I found this, you know, thing like that." And Taylor was just having a ball because, you know, and as soon as the backgrounds drop out, it's really dry, and I was like, "No, you." So after that we started refining it a little bit and then Jamie Lee came in for a film and I I had told her about what, well I didn't say anything, first I wanted to get through the session. And, and there was a scene where she's in a Porsche and she's talking on on the phone or she's talking to somebody in the car and the Porsche is a convertible and they're going up the Santa Monica Mountains and you hear the And she's, so I was able to put that under, cause, It was really a noisy, uh, I think it was a lav mic, a bigger one. And so I put that under her loops on playback and she goes, wait a second, wait, 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 (laughs) wait. And She goes, this technology now is coming, you know, she'd look around Mm and yeah, it's just, you know, this is what's happening. So then in addition to that sampler, what we use almost every day now is, especially for the Skywalker people, is if, um, I have Adam Driver here, if they're having a problem with the line, then they say, hey Doc, let's just do the hear it, say it, hear it, say it. So, hey Bob, I'm coming after you. Hey Bob, and so I'd loop that and I just, I put it out to the stage or in their headphones and go, okay, we'll just sample it. Hey Bob, how are you? So h- they'd hear the original production, they'd hear it, say it, hear it, say it. we do like 10 takes They go, you know, cut in the fifth one. And my assistant Brett Boss, who he's my editor, recordist, everything in the world. He's one of those young guys that grew up with a, like you, grew up with a computer <laughs> on their lap. From I the appreciate tr- you calling <laughs> me young. That was very kind of you. <laughs> Younger than me. <laughs> yeah. Before I buy a long shot. And so edit, he edits in, and we have all the music and effects to play back, and we play it back and go in and out of production. You know, where's Bob? Bob, I'm coming out, and it, you know, with the right micing and the right playback and stuff. It it just it works really well. So we use the, we use that loop of it a lot. That loop uh, portion, it's really great. Cool. Yeah. You know, it gets us through a lot of stuff. Or if the actor's having a problem with like something, we may not use that. But at least I can play it without having to run picture. I can just go here. Listen, this is the line. <coughs> hey, what's going on? Hey, what's going on? They go. Hey, what's going on? Okay, I got it. Let's go. It just, instead of picture going back and forth, yeah, even though it's digital picture, it goes back and forth very quick. It's still, you know, there's still kind of a, focusing on the audio is way easier than yeah. picture and stuff. So that's one of the
0: tricks. So uh, we've gone way longer than I was expecting to, which oh, is amazing. Sorry. No, don't be sorry, this is fantastic. <laughs> right. um, I just want to maybe wrap up with uh, a question about kind of the politics of the stage, mm-hmm. um, because there are times when you have to shut up Oh. there yeah. are times when you have to t- make sure your points gets across Yeah. and finding those lines for maybe someone that's newer might be more difficult. Do you have any kind of guidelines or how do you d- navigate that?
1: Well, when, I, when it's a new client or it's a new show that I haven't worked with, I, I keep my finger off the talkback as much as I can. And you find out who is... It might not be the director. It might be the editor that the the director trusts so much that he or she will let the editor make some of the decisions. Drive the bus. Drive yeah. the bus because the editor, he or she is cutting it, and they hear there's it's you know the the rhythm is off just a little bit. But if they stretch it out, we cut off camera and we add this off lot. You know it's that type of stuff. It's the mechanical, and and if we had this and then stretch it out. And the actress or actor goes, okay, I, I, I see exactly what you want. And they don't need me going, so uh, do you guys want to record one now? It's like <laughs> you know when they're ready to record because most of the time they'll just go, okay, let's try it. And you just push the button and it's beep, beep, beep. As you get into the session, if it's an ongoing project, like the Disney Plus shows that like turn into series and you find out, who is kind of directing and if they'll take, I might throw in and go, hey, you know what, you guys, what if we what if we just pitch that up just a little bit on the last line or something? And she goes, okay, let's try it. And you go, okay, I'm in, <laughs> you know, you got, you've unlocked it. But you only do that sparingly. You know, it's just keep, these people are trying to focus on something and all we're there is just to make sure we grab it and play it back properly. I mean, it's basically, you have to I, I hate to, I hate to use this, but it's selling, you have to sell the loop to the audience. Mm-hmm. Uh, it can't be, so Bob, what's going on? Yeah, <laughs> it just drives me crazy. So when it blends in properly, so Bob, what's really happening? You know, it's two takes blended together. Uh, maybe may production and maybe loop, then you've done your job. Mm-hmm. And and my recorder, Brett, has done his job, because he might have to put a fade across the bump or whatever, so it doesn't bump. And you know we may have to match the labs. When I was first started, people were using that much lab, or mm-hmm. now we use the labs and we use them a lot. So we're really focused on that, putting making sure that that lab sounds just like it's supposed to, as opposed to the boom mic sounding good because they might have to just use the lab. It saves time for them trying to make the the production boom microphone sound like a radio. Yeah, I mean these guys can do it they can make it sound like anything they want, but they're a lot, you know, the time, they just don't have the time. Mm-hmm. They, they gotta get the stuff out, and so if we can give them a good lab sound uh, without them having to fuss too much on the stage,
0: mm-hmm.
1: that's that's where I'm at. That's, that's why I liked, um, we've done some shows where, let's say the mixer over at Warner Brothers doesn't have to, if we're doing a live action and I'm getting as close as I can to the production dialogue, EQs, level, and all that. The product, the poor re-recording mixer doesn't have to be like, well, yeah. this one's 10 dB low. What the, what's happening here? It
0: makes everyone's
1: job exactly. easier. Exactly. If it's just a little tweak on, you know, a trim volume, where it's like you know, mother, I'm going to save you. If if it's mother, i gonna save you. Maybe it's a little different level because that's the way she were. All I have to do is just touch one little knob instead of like, okay, well, it's going to give me till after lunch so we can EQ this stuff to match the production dialogue. That's, that's crazy. There's no reason for that. Uh, and another trick that we, unfortunately, when we get these tracks from editorial, a lot of times the boom and the radio are combined together. So we're yeah. getting a 50-50 and... We just go by the by the seat of our pants, going. Yeah. I bet you it sounds like this, and nine times out of ten, is pretty close. But <laughs> it's still like it's still in the back of our head. Going, I wonder what the boom by itself sounds like. We'll never know. <laughs> you know, it's like we're not. If they, if they had to break out all that stuff, they'd never get it done because was just yeah that assembly is just so huge
0: there's a, a famous story of uh i believe it was picasso was sitting somewhere and someone asked him to draw something mm. and he drew something on a napkin and said that'll be thirty thousand dollars <laughs> and the person said what do you mean that took you 20 seconds and he said yeah it took me 30 years how to do that in 20 <laughs> seconds and like yeah. when you yeah. say nine out of ten times you get it right mm-hmm. yeah that's because you've been doing it exactly. long enough. like that's experience uh, yeah. it's not yeah. that's not luck. you're saying it like oh we luck into it but that's yeah. not it at all
1: yeah, it's just it's just working with it, just kind of from not getting any shit back from the stage. Going, <laughs> well, this isn't because we we kind of did it properly. It's not bouncing all mm-hmm. over the place. It's not like you know the mics aren't matching. We we've we've done it enough in our career to know what's where that mic really was. Mm-hmm. And I'm always asking the actor, like, uh, you know, once I can go onto the talk back, yeah. I'll come out and I'll make a mic adjustment. And I'll just say, hey, you know, I know you guys were focused on it, but where was, do you remember where the boom guy was? He goes, yeah, you know what? He was underneath me because the da-da-da. I go, that's why it sounds a little different. She goes, yeah, yeah, sorry about that. I said, no, 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 great. So I'll take the boom and I'll flip it around. around. And and when um, we did another film and we were looping the person, and I'm like going, where is that sound from? Well, the director turns to the ADR suit and goes, okay, so before we let him go, do we do we have everything? He goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and how about the lav mic underneath the guy's hat? <laughs> I went, that's why the, no wonder. You know, you gotta be kind of a detective yeah. about like, because mm-hmm. it, it sounds like the mic fell off or the guy stepped on it with a shoe or, because a lot of time in, in stage work, you know, they will put the, the labs in the right up here, which sounds really bitchin'. I mean, it sounds great when I hear that. We have headbands, yeah, of course, so we can take the labs and put them there. We still record with all the production mics, mm-hmm. but we'll find out, hey, what what microphone it was. It's usually the DPAs, or they had a you know a microphone there. But for the, the live Broadway stuff, it's always hidden. And yeah, in the wigs. In the sound, wigs, and, yeah. and it sounds great. So okay. we'll just replicate what we can.
0: So, when was this room built?
1: 1943, 44. Yeah, so this
0: room has seen some things. This room,
1: yeah, I mean, it's, <laughs> it's had Walton here doing, oh, boy! <laughs> or his weird, yeah, you know, whistly thing.
0: So, and you've been here in working this room. This is the room that you started in the 80s?
1: The no, late no, 80s, I, no?
0: I started over at
1: Warner Hollywood.
0: But, well, I, I mean, but when you moved oh, to Disney. when I moved, yes. It was about
1: 88, 1988. And it 89. was this room that you were in yeah, since this then? The, this is the only dialogue. This, yeah. this room was built when the studio was built in 43 or 44, mm-hmm. and this was always the dialogue room. Uh, so this is where mm-hmm. you know, Steamboat Willie started. Well, no, I shouldn't say it. that was over at the uh, the other studio that Walt had before they built the studio. I think he did Steamboat Willie mm-hmm. in one but of the like rooms. But like your
0: Cinderella's and your Snow White's yeah. and stuff uh, were all yeah. over here. Yeah,
1: the bibbidi-bobbidi-boo. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, there's some pictures out there you may have, you should take a look at. And For sure. You know, uh, so
0: of the years that you've been here, mm-hmm. what can you maybe, maybe it was the Jamie Lee Curtis story, but maybe can you tell us to go out on with a story of some kind of like magical moment where just like an actor did something that has become iconic or is there anything like that that you can think of? Uh, there's There's been a lot but let's see let's um,
1: see we had been doing The Lion Kings and, and feature animation and stuff and when we started working on those things it was like wow and everybody was back there with me mm-hmm. all the uh, the artists and and Don Hahn, the producer, was back, and the directors were are back there. So they're
0: behind the glass. You behind mean? the glass,
1: yep. back mm-hmm. in those days, and now, you know, everybody's out here. That's why we have all the headphone boxes, and then they sit on the couch and the,
0: in yeah. the room where the actors performing. Exactly, which is where we, we turn are the right room. Now. Yeah, like yep.
1: if Tim or Tom comes in, they'll we turn the room around so they're facing the table. Everything's movable. But it was funny because before. We were doing Lion King or whatever, and I went in and I talked to Don. wasn't the schedule at the time; she was probably not even born yet. (laughs) And uh, so I'd go in and I said, "Hey, so you know what kind of what what's our schedule? You know what we got coming up?" She goes, "Well, we got a weird little company called Pixar. They've booked in and they do digital cartoons. You know, it's probably going to be one of those little you know companies that come in, they do one film, and you'll never see them again." I went, "Oh, cool. Okay. Well, that'll be fun." Well then several weeks later, they come in and it's John Lasseter and Andrew Stanton and Pete Docter and those guys. The coolest guys in the world. Coolest guys in the world. They're all out here and you know we've, we've got Tom as the first victim. Of, Hanks. Uh, yeah, Tom Hanks is out there and so he's over there. And we had a couple of baffles, but Pete, Andrew, the whole Brain Trust is out here. And John's with me in a director's chair, on a tall director's chair, and he's right here and I'm here and the editor editorial support he's mm-hmm. really cool, real nice guy. He's over on the right and he's keeping track of the dats and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And we start talking and you know, hey, oh yeah, this is yeah, this is great, Doc. I like I love the realm, you know, everything is fine. And then Tom comes in and I have no idea what any of this stuff is it, it was the yep. toy story. Yeah, of course. And we didn't have video back in those days. It was all like drawn first Mm -hmm. and they're showing Tom and I'm back there and I'm just, you know, just keeping it going. And they're showing Tom all this stuff and whatever. And then we start recording and you are a toy. All that (laughs) stuff starts, we actually have a video of all that stuff. A guy, somebody snuck a camera in, (laughs) I hear about this 30 years later, (laughs) Tom just, was unbelievable and I'm listening to this and going what the hell is this stuff you know and then John goes yeah it's the toys and the this and the that I'm going this is spectacular and then Tom's in here for like three or four hours just blowing his voice out you are a toy (laughs) and just screaming and yelling for four hours so I knew something it was really weird because I knew this was something Right feature off the animation bat. yeah feature animation was always great they you know they were consistent and it was always a great story and the the guys and gals were just the best in the world but this was a different this is a different set of people and <laughs> <laughs> so it was it was really fun cool it was really mind my and then as we saw the act- videos you know three quarter inches they bring yep. them and mm-hmm. we show them to Tom and Tim and the rest of the cast and I watched this as it went from day one, and we did probably 97, 98% of the, mm-hmm. the recordings for it, and I just saw it grow into this huge... Industry-changing film. And, I, and we were part of it. Yeah, I mean, we amazing. were part of that f- first one with Beauty and the Beast and Lion King, and then this was all part of that, uh, and now as I look back on it, you know, it was, we were all part of that whole thing. And it was everything that they say it was. It was really magical, the actors, the performers. One thing I did have, if, if you're, if you still have any room on you.
0: Yeah, no, I'm, I'm just making sure we're still rolling. We are. I
1: don't know if I maybe discuss this with you, but uh, on we um, are uh, Beauty and the Beast, mm-hmm. and they were going to be scoring again in New York, and and by this time. Roy Disney had been in the booth with us quite a bit, just giving the little notes. He'd only stay for about a half hour and go, Whoa, that was great. Okay. But he knew who I was, and we became kind of pals. Um, So Don Hahn, who was the producer, said, Hey, Doc, we're going to have again, we're going to have all the actors back for scoring for Beauty of the Beast. And uh, do you want to come back and do all the pickups again for the actors? Mm-hmm. Come back on Tuesday, we're gonna be scoring on Friday. So this gives you enough time to grab everybody. Mm-hmm. So we we did that. I had all the guys come down and girls come down. And so everything's going great, Don Hahn, all the directors are in this little, it was, it, the booth was probably a little bit bigger than that. A little bit bigger than the-, the In New s- York. In New York, yeah. Uh, and the studio was probably right to here. It's a little tiny thing. And um, so we did all the recordings, did all the pickups. And on Thursday night, the scoring mixer says, hey, Doc, are you done with those guys? And I went, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And Don Hahn's like, well, don't stay too long, because we're going out to dinner tonight. And I'm going, oh, no, this is one of those. <laughs> and when those guys go out <laughs> to dinner, they go out to dinner. <laughs> it's, a, it's not a, like, OK, we'll be in bed by 8. <laughs> it's not like that. Uh, so I went up and I met the scoring mixer, and he goes, "So you know what mics have you been using on this, on the production for the last couple of years, <laughs> in two years?" I said, "Just I've been just using the U eighty seven. That's been you know we're trying to keep it consistent to wherever we, mm-hmm. wherever we go. If if somebody had to go to another studio, they would take the U eighty seven. Okay, great, because that's what I'm going to hang for the vocalists. And I went, "Oh, great, you know, man, the scoring mixer asking me what <laughs> the, U- I. so anyway." Well, I had a nice dinner. I said, I got to go. I got stuff to do. So we all show up at the scoring stage. And the entire ensemble's there. And it was the first song out was Be Our Guest. Okay. And they were, you know, the whole turn, all the tuning up. And I didn't know what they were going to start. I just was in the back, got my mouth shut, just, you know. And then Roy Disney comes in and. He was like, hey everybody. everybody, was, hey Roy, how you doing? The coolest, nicest man in the world, just fantastic guy. So he greeted him, hey Doc, how you doing? Nice to see you on this side of the coast, you know, little town. I said, hey, you know. So the guy goes, All right, okay, you guys, we're ready. They had the arranger out there and he had given out everything, goes, okay, everybody ready. And you know, the ta-ta-ta-ta-ta. And the first thing out of the gate was be our guest. And it had, you know what's uh, Lumiere going, yep. ladies and gentlemen. It was unbelievable. I had never experienced anything that in my entire life. It wow. was, that's, that was magical. As you mm-hmm. say, that was the most magical moment for me. And they did the whole thing, there were no mistakes. They had the background singers in the, the plexiglass booths or glass booths, whatever, right. but timpani, everything just, hmm. and Dave got it on the first take. And as they let everything roll out, you know, you don't stop, you just let the instruments stop, and it's dead quiet. It's dead quiet. And Roy Dizzy goes, oh, that was pretty good, wasn't it? <laughs> 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 <Everyone's>, ah! <laughs> and poor Dave, so after, you know, I go, oh my God, that was great. And we're all kind of talking. Then everybody's like, all right, Dave, was that okay? I thought I heard a distortion. I heard this, I heard that. And he goes, no, 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 you didn't. And they play it back, and everybody's like, it's. Bitching. Yeah, It's awesome. just so cool. And then so after that whole wonderful day and in the evening, it was Friday evening and and Roy goes, Well, when are you guys going back to LA? And he goes, Well, we're gonna stay the weekend, we're gonna get some crash down so we can get it to editorial and they can put it up with picture. Well, who's flying back with me? He mm-hmm. goes, and Don looks around and he goes, Oh, Doc will. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm like, No, that's okay. I don't wanna be a bother to anybody. He goes, oh, oh, okay, great, Doc, I'll see you tomorrow morning on the tarmac. And I went, g- 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 okay. <laughs> so uh, I talked to Don, I said, I don't wanna be a bother. I got, I got a plane ticket, you know, mm-hmm. to LAX. He goes, you're gonna have a ball. He goes, coolest, nice jet. It's just you and him mm-hmm. and the and the crew. the crew, yeah. And I went, okay, so I get out to the tarmac the next morning, I'm just nervous. I'm like, well, you know, what am I gonna talk to Roy about? I'm just a, you know, I'm a button pusher. <clears throat> And so the guy who's like the big guy, he looks like Clutch Cargo. I don't know if you know the animated character, but a, a Clutch Cargo, square jaw. Yeah. Where are you flying to, son? And I said, well, my car's in <laughs> LA. Or No, my wife's gonna pick me up at, at Burbank. Well, I can get you home faster than she can come pick you up. And I went, okay, whatever. You know, <laughs> I was like, uh, sorry, <laughs> Mr. Clutch. <laughs> so. I get in the plane and we take off and Roy and I start talking and the the gal the like the stewardess type mm-hmm. she goes hey you know Roy we got barbecued you know chicken sandwiches that we got at the the deli oh my God that's fantastic that'll be great Susie or whatever and she goes Doc what do you want she goes we have barbecue we have pastrami sandwiches <laughs> go, oh I'll take a pastrami and uh, it was like a three hour flight because it's a jet yeah yeah it 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 felt like it was 20 minutes. He talked about the studio and and the revitalization of it and and bringing in Michael Eisner and Jeffrey and his kids Mm -hmm. and it it was unbelievable. I mean had I had a pocket recorder like yours that would have been great to have (laughs) because it was real.
0: Well doc thank you very much for inviting me into the studio and uh for all your great stories this was Mm -hmm. like for the listeners doc told me before we started this that he didn't feel comfortable doing interviews and this was going to be difficult but this was amazing you were a wonderful storyteller oh, thank you very I'm, I'm, much i'm for... sorry i hope i didn't bore any no you, that, didn't. Right, you didn't you didn't right, at right, all right, thank you very right. much yeah, thanks for meeting Tim, you it's yeah. great meeting you too wow doc was such a great guy and i really hit it off with him after the mics were put away i got to hang out and get a tour of his mic locker and the rest of the studio it was really special this episode was volunteer edited by rainer lilishkus he did a wonderful job and was great to interact with Rainer is a science engineer by day and a sound artist and freelance engineer as a side job. He's based in southwest Germany, and together with his wife Suzanne, they have worked on documentaries, radio plays, and sound installations. You can find some of their projects at www.radiospherica.de. Spherica is spelled S-F-E-R-I-C-A. Thanks so much, Rainer. Finally, remember to come out to our upcoming sound design meetups in Toronto on September 26th and New York City on October 26th. Full details at TonebendersPodcast.com. My name is Timothy Muirhead. Thanks for choosing to listen to Tonebenders. Tonebenders is produced by Timothy Muirhead, Renee Coronado, and Teresa Morrow. Theme music is by Mark Strait. Send your emails to info at tonebenderspodcast.com. Follow us on Twitter via at the Tonebenders and join Tonebenders Podcast on Facebook. Support this podcast? You can use our links when you shop with Amazon or BH, or leave us a tip. Just go to tonebenderspodcast.com and click the support button. Thanks for listening. Are you looking for more audio related podcasts to listen to? Tonebenders is part of the Audio Podcast Alliance, featuring a hand picked selection of the very best podcasts about sound. Be sure to hear the latest episodes from our friends in the community at audiopodcast.org.